We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 305 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and joining me today is Rafa Albamui of Meske Un Podcast. Also check him out on YouTube, because Rafa is here today to help me break down the very first match of the Xavi era. And it was on Saturday, but with just bated anticipation, Rafa. I feel like, you know, you and I are recording this now on Monday night, Benfica already tomorrow. Honestly, after waiting a few weeks to get to that first match, I wanted a few more days just to kind of soak it all in and digest. But I feel like we're already on to the next one. Hey, once again, thank you for having me here. It's always a, a pleasure. Uh, my YouTube channel is in Spanish. Probably a lot of people here just know English. But if you want to learn maybe a little bit of Spanish, you can go over there. We're live like with press conferences and things like that. I watched the game two times because I have to confess, I was at a wedding, so I was inside a church, and I was watching, I'm sorry, but I was watching the game inside the church uh, on my phone. That was how important Xavi's first game was, and the good thing is that I, I, I could like like make it seem like I was like praying or something like that, and I just had my phone down low. So I was able to watch it, and then I, I see I did rewatch the game again, and I agree with you, it's it's kind of bittersweet because it's like, oh, my God, we get to, like, uh, pick apart Xavi's first game. And then it's like, oh, no, we can't. We got a Champions League game. And it really it's basically a final if you think about it. So it's it's kind of bittersweet. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about with I think there's three main angles we can attack this from the, the, the one nothing win over Espanol. It's, I think, the second half and some of the, I guess, the negative things about that second half that we can speak about. There would be the teenagers, the youngsters in Ilias Akomash and Abde, who or Easy Abde, who made their, uh, well, Abde had already been seen, but Ilias making his debut for Barcelona and starting in that game. And then the third would just be the general impression of Xavi's ideas, his tactics, and what he wanted to imprint on this team and what we could see from Espanol moving forward. So of those three, I know it's a little confusing. Rafa, which one do you want to start with? I think, honestly, the the third one, like generally speaking a little bit, because yeah. obviously by now people have already seen the game, like, tomorrow like when people are probably seeing these we're gonna be playing Benfica but I think in the general gist of it I think we can say at least obviously in my opinion that we did see some 
potentially exciting things from Xavi from a tactical standpoint, especially in the first 60, 70 minutes from, for basically what he wants to do and what when, when Barcelona have everybody back, which hopefully we do at some point, meaning Asufati, Dembele, Pedri, what this team could end up being when everybody is back healthy and then down the road, if we can sign some really good players, what Barcelona could end up being. But then I think we also got a reminder, especially in the last 15 to 20 minutes, what Barcelona are still are taking into account the injuries that we have. Because even though I did see a lot of positive things like evolving from what Kuman Barcelona was showing, I think it was like uh, like when you get thrown in like cold water in your face, like back to reality a little bit, like, hey, the in my opinion, the main problem that we still are lacking important players that score goals. And it costs us so much to score a goal that that problem, even with Xavi, it did like it's it magically didn't go away. It's still there. So I think we that was a little bit of like a reminder that hey, the problem that we had with Kuman, it's still here. We don't have a great goal scorer because I Messi's not here, Griezmann is not here, and the guys that were supposed to pick up the sl the slack are injured again. Ansu Fati and Dembele. Aguero has a heart condition that he may end up retiring or not, but we can't count on him. So we are without goal scorers still. And Xavi, he can do a lot of things to try and make up for that, but you can't. And then we don't have money to sign somebody. So I think we need that was a little bit of a refresher that, hey, Xavi can do a lot of good things with other th other parts, but we still don't have a goal scorer. So that's like the ugly truth that we still got to deal with. Yeah, it was definitely a tale of two halves. And I know you said you want to start with that third one about the overall impression, but I think you kind of already went into the, you know, the unfortunate, the negative side of that, where Barcelona could have put that game away. And it's entirely different emotionally in that second half where, you know, in the first half, and this is where I'll talk about the positive stuff here. In the first half, you could tell that, yeah, of course, there's always going to be a new manager bump. The guys were pressing high. They were working hard. They were clearly getting the instructions from Shabby from the sideline and trying to make tweaks as that first half went on. And you could tell that it was just overwhelming at one point in that first half, 78% possession. And as I had said last week on the show, as I really broke down on that YouTube, you know, the X's and O's tactics video I did that I was pretty proud of and pretty happy with that Xavi said many times, yes, there's possession, but it's what do you do with the ball when you have possession? How do you attack the opponent when you have possession? And the way that he also kind of hinted that he was going to do more so than Kuman, more so than even Setien. Well, Setien actually had similar ideas to this point about the high interiors. That Frankie de Jong and Nico Gonzalez made more runs together as interiors than we had seen two interiors make in quite, quite some time. And then Memphis would drop in and occasionally he would also try to get in a round. I think it was around the 26 minute or so. There was about a minute of possession that Barcelona had where they recycled possession from the left to the right twice. And it was that one that Busquets found Memphis on the rebound, uh, cutting in behind for a through ball where he blasted at the goalkeeper instead of, instead of trying to square it back over. But that just showed you that one minute of possession was that just because you have the ball and circulating side to side doesn't mean that he is not, that being Xavi, desperate to have his midfielders in particular trying to find those through balls and those forward runs. Now, 
The difference with the interiors pressing high that I liked, again, was the press in the first half, particularly Nico. Nico stepping in and almost getting that one-on-one with the keeper. That's because, again, just like Xavi had told us, to beat a press, he's going to use that 4-3-3, uh, especially when the opponent is playing in a 5-4-1 like Espanyol were. He wants to use a 4-3-3, and he wants to take the center forward to basically mark off the goalkeeper and one of the center backs and use the other interior on the opposite side of that center forward to bring them high to cut off that other pass of the other center back. And that means that everybody else behind the play is going to need a man mark there. And then again, not allow Espanyol to find a free man. And I thought Barcelona kept shutting that down. And for him to impress that idea, and impress might, be not right, might not be the right word, imprint is what I'd rather say. For him to imprint some of those tactics on his team after just a few hours, and I mean a few hours of those internationals of training, I think it says a lot about their willingness, the team's willingness to listen to a new manager and listen to the new man. Now, the downside is that the press did lose its steam in that second half once Gabi and especially when Busquets left the game. And so I don't want to I don't want to blame Coutinho entirely. I don't think that's fair to him or Puj or Demir or any of the subs for the way that the, the team did drop off. And the last thing before I throw it back to you, tactics wise. I got to give credit to Xavi because he, again, said everything that he wanted to do and try to put in that first game one. I was surprised that he was able to get so many of his ideas onto the field so quickly. That was impressive to me, one. But two is that he added an even special wrinkle for Espanyol and for the ones that were available. So I know we're going to talk about the youngsters next, but the fact that he had in the first half, it was Elasha Komas making his debut and then Abde in the second half just stuck to that right touchline. They were just on the right touchline. The interiors were usually in front of them on the heat map, as was the number nine in Memphis. And so it was just ad width. Hey, you're young, stand on that touchline. If you get it, you're allowed basically in that circumstance to lose the ball because we have everybody else supporting you. So if you are alone on an island and you're a teenager, that's fine. I want to see that skill. I want to see that sauce. I want to see that passion. Show it to me. And he put them in circumstances to succeed. And by putting the rest of the team in a circumstance to succeed, I actually, again, was wondering if it was going to be a 3-4-3 with Alba basically being the other center, the other forward up top on the left wing. That's what I would thought it would be, that Barcelona would try to have possession and pinch with Alba up top. But it was instead Alba and Mingetha kind of staying at home. And then in possession, yes, Alba would creep up as he does and Mingetha would come in as an inverted right, right center back. But generally... Barcelona were keeping Alba at bay, meaning Gabi was required to have all the width on the left side. And it, it wasn't really truly working with Gabi and De Jong, sure. But to counteract that, Xavi started to strong side that left side. So instead of just having Alba 1v1s and trying to switch play to him, he would ask PK or Alba or Memphis or Gabi or De Jong whenever there was a strong side and the numerical advantage, that's when they would switch play to the young player to give him a viable 1v1 that he could potentially take advantage of. And so I thought that kind of tweak was something that, again, Xavi said what he wanted to do. Here's the baseline plan. Here's the focus. But this is an added wrinkle based on the personnel I have because I don't have Dembele and I don't have Ansu. So I know that was a really long point about my tactics, but I'm going to take a break now, Rafa, and I'll let you go. Whether you're talking youngsters or second half, whatever, it's up to you. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. 
Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough, and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, thing is, I completely agree with everything that you said. So I don't want people to think I'm a Debbie Downer because I was just mentioning like that. I just wanted to be realistic that, in my opinion, the main problem, I know Barcelona had a lot of problems, but not having enough goals, players being injured, not being able to buy and substitute players like Messi, Griezmann, blah, blah, blah. But that first half, I completely agree. Like Barcelona were amazing. They were just pressuring up high every time they lost it they just recovered the ball back high pressing like you said and it's it's really encouraging because Xavi has been here for basically what a week and a half something like that and he hasn't had all the players at his disposal because they were most of them were with their international teams on top of that he doesn't have Dembele he doesn't have Ansu Fati we know that he wants to play a certain way with wingers close to the sideline, like really, really close to the sideline to open up the pitch so that people in the middle could find more, more space and whatnot. So to me, I love that fact. I 
one of my pet peeves is that when, and I know this is not necessarily down to the previous coaches like Valverde and Kuman, like they had different players and it was a different situation, but I hated the fact that we played without like real wingers. And basically it was a whirlpool because everything was getting sucked inside the middle to the middle. And then that made it easier for opposing teams to defend Barcelona. But that's a more complex thing that we complex thing, like having buying Griezmann and things like that. Like it's just, it's just different. So now I love the fact that Xavi, because those players aren't there anymore. So there's no pressure for him to play X or Y player, even like Coutinho, like there's no pressure whatsoever to play him, uh, put him in the starting 11. And now I want to go to like Elias and um, Abde. Like to me, Abde was basic. You could argue he was either the man of the match or the second man of the match when he came in. But I'll give Elias a little bit of slack because although I do agree, I think Abde was way better than Elias. The way the game was played during the first half was completely different than when what it was, how it was played during the second half because during the first half, whether you want to put that on Espanyol dropping back, defending, or Barcelona making Espanyol go and defend with everybody, when Elias got the ball, he was basically surrounded by two Espanyol players. So mm-hmm. it was more difficult for Elias to dribble, go one-on-one because he was being covered by two players. When Abde came in on the first uh, during the second half, and with Barcelona going up 1-0 because of that pe- pe- early penalty in the second half, then Espanyol decided to attack. So that left Abde with more one on like literally one-on-one opportunities. Which yeah. kudos to him. He took boy did he take advantage of those opportunities. He was amazing. But I just want to like cut Elias a little bit of slack because the fact that Abde was better. Yes, that's that's true. But also the game was played one way during the second half because of a lot of different things that I just mentioned. And another way during the second half, which made it easier for Abde to shine, contrary to Elias, who basically was being double teamed to a certain extent. So, and then the, the other thing before I, I switch it back to you, I love the fact that you mentioned it because I, during the first half, sometimes I felt like I was seeing Frankie basically higher up than Memphis. He was. Like, in some, he was making he was. so more, like so many forward runs. I was like, wait a minute. Like I see Frankie higher up than Memphis, like 70% of the time. Like to, that's a clear, like it shows Xavi's intentions. Like you were explaining. And then with Nico as well, like that play that, Hey Nico, like you, he, he saw that the ball just like was a little bit farther away. And he just like fell down trying to like, uh, <laughs> See if he would, uh, he could earn the penalty, but just the intention of it, like he intercepted the ball that high up because that was the intention of the in- los interiores, like Xavi. I mean, Frankie and uh, I wish Xavi was still playing, uh, Frankie and Nico. So to me, that just showed tactically what you were saying, and that's with the what a week of training, less than a week, just like I'm like salivating. Just thinking of like Xavi, the the brain, and at his disposal, he has I see Frankie, who we all agree had is really good, but he can be so much better than what he's been so far with Barcelona. Gavi, Pedri, Pedri hasn't even played it. Ricky, Nico, like those young players. It's like the young 
like uh, Padawans under Yoda. Oh. And, and you I think like, oh. spoil this part with Anakin. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, hopefully nobody turns into, like, nobody goes down Anakin's path. But, like, just salivating, like, oh, my God. What, what could be with Yoda, Xiaomi being Yoda, teaching them the way of the force? I'm like, uh, and then the wingers, like, just like, hey, this is what you need to do when Gabi is here. Then when Ansu comes back, then Blake comes back. Then the Adiyami rumors, Sterling, like everything. It's just, I'm so excited about the medium and the feature of this team. It's yeah. like, oh my God. Wow. I, I'm just excited with Xavi. I, what you can I say? Xavi just over and over in training. Pass the ball, you will. Pass the ball. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> over then, over. Uh, hopefully nobody gets mad because Xavi seems to be that Guardiola-esque type of coach mm. that at first everything's going to be peaches and cream, but then after two years, three years, when it's like a, so a coach that's so hands-on approach, you're going to wear down. Yeah. Exactly. That's about that. Yeah. Well, Rafa, let's forget about that. that. Three years. Exactly. Yeah. Because by that time, Elias will be 20 years old in, in three years time. Incredibly. And now will be just 22. Yeah. I mean, I agree with so much what you said about Elias and Abde and what I was happy about with both of them kind of creating that similarity, but creating that difference is that even though they are entirely different players, Abde is, especially as a forward runner, Abde is so, so fast. His dribbling is, I mean, his dribbling is the one thing at Hercules and I'm surprised that no one else in Spain had noticed earlier than Barcelona, that Barcelona got scouts down there to, uh, where's Hercules? In the Valencian community, right? I think. I think. Well, anyway, so they got scouts down there and they saw he'd only played, I think, 22 times or something for Hercules. He only had two goals, whatever. But again, that he did as an 18 year old, 19 year old down in the, the third division. So those who were scouting, looking at Barca B could have seen him there. But he had six of eight completed dribbles yesterday, that being Abde. Gave the ball away a few times, only 10 of 16 on his passing, but he did win the ball back 10 times as well. So he had a lot of energy, only lost at nine. And I had said this before in the past that there's a lot of double digit losing of the ball by the center forwards or the wingers or the quote unquote wingers for FC Barcelona. And so it only loses at nine and a half, not so bad at all from Abde. And, you know, again, I think the similarity though is that that whatever that teenager was, and the reason I think that Xavi might have told them both that they were going to get 45 minutes in the game to go out and show their stuff prior to. I don't think that Ilias was taken off because of anything he necessarily did wrong, but I think it was just pre-planned to give them both an opportunity to be the winger that Xavi was looking for in that game, especially when it was 0-0 at halftime. I think if Barca had had scored that goal in the first half, then uh, Ilias might have gotten 60 minutes or 65 minutes. But because it's it was 0-0, I think you know the switch that was possible was made. But the thing that makes him so different is that Abde is very much A to B, a dribbler. That is his best attribute. His speed is incredible. He's just, I mean, this kid is an athlete at 19 years old and Xavi now needs to mold the rest of it. And if he can press, if he can do the things that he's being asked to do, and I actually remember going back to his time under Sergi Barzwan, in those rare appearances he made, the press was just disorganized. And I actually thought that Abde was a bit, I, I thought he was a bit better with his positioning defensively in this match than he was even in the two matches that I saw him come off the bench. And I thought it was just, he stepped when the rest of the team wasn't stepping with him or wasn't what, what he wasn't supposed to. And I think in the second half yesterday, he really did step when he was supposed to. And the difference there from Abde that again, it's a winger, be out wide, be on the touchline and make your moves. 
Now, Elias, he was basically given the same instruction. Hey, teenagers, stay out there on the wing, stay on the touchline. We need you for width. But also, Elias, you're much different. He isn't just a dribbler. He's very good at his close control. That's the kind of dribbler he has to be. He's not going to use his speed to dribble past a defender 1v1, but he's going to use his skill and close control to either get through a double team or potentially get inward. He's an inverted winger. So it was, again, the same starting point for both those players, both those young players. But then Xavi gave them both room to express themselves, whether it was Elias as an inverted winger or Abde trying to get out and around the opposition. So what I do like about that, again, is Xavi is basically able to give, it seems like he'd be able to give these youngsters a simple instruction as to what they're to do, as long as they're doing the defensive job. And then however they want to get the job done offensively, you know, that's up to you. We're going to support you, as I said before, by strong siding the other side and hoping that our experienced players are going to be able to play with that close control. Now, the one issue, though, and one of the reasons why Abde was so 1v1, it's also because Espanol was finally putting an extra man or two forward. I mean, in the first half, they were legitimately pinned to their 18 with nine men or in their at one point, I think in the 42nd minute, they were all 10 were in their box at one point. And uh, Raul de Thomas also coming back for a second. And I also want to push back real quick, too, is I, you know, I'll give you the final point in Espanol here. But the final point I have about Espanol is that for all those who I mean, I saw a bunch of people tell me that Espanol was bad. Well, Espanol were in the second division last year and they were utter, I mean, utter hot garbage. They were Cornea garbage two years ago when they were sent down. But with RDT, who is the, what is the, the second or third most informed striker in all of the Liga, just got called up to the Spanish national team. So clearly feeling himself right now. And Vicente Moreno has been around a long time and does deserve your respect. So this is a potential top half of the Liga team. So I don't want to hear all this about them being weak or anything. You said it right. Barcelona overwhelmed them, completely overwhelmed them in the first half. And they were unlucky to not get any goal at all. They were probably fortunate that being Barca on the penalty, that probably wasn't a penalty on Memphis after the third or fourth or fifth viewing. But I think, again, that one makes up for the one that I thought was a penalty actually on Nico. Honestly, I thought that one was a penalty. It wasn't called. And then the ref calls the penalty on Memphis and VAR doesn't help you take it back. So there wasn't enough to, to take it back anyway. So it's a penalty for Barcelona. Memphis still had to convert it, and he did. But RDT, he could have scored on two occasions, hit the post, and Espanyol had two other very good opportunities. So Espanyol, yeah, they probably deserved the result, but they deserved the result because in, this is the same team that beat Real Madrid 2-1. They deserved the result against them too, and they got it because Espanyol is actually a good team. So, you know, missing with that Espanyol was bad stuff because Espanyol deserved their respect, and Barcelona were, I think, both lucky, and you got to be lucky, and it's good to be lucky. So they were lucky to get a one nothing win against Espanyol after Xavi had a few hours to talk to his players. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with all that I just said. I'm actually happy about it. You can't take that from me. Not you, Rafa. I mean, that is. <laughs> you said as the, the you. Yeah, and the thing is, I guess, like you were saying, like Espanyol were amazing in the second division last year. That's that's why they're back in the first division. And this season, they've been really good. I, I wish they weren't, but they are. So in the second half, Raul Tomas is an amazing player. And it, it's kind of ironic because he had a great game. And then people could be like, well, he just he missed two great goal scoring opportunities. Yes, he did. But apart from that, and I know apart from that, that's like his main purpose but he was amazing creating danger for Espanyol. And then on any other day, he scores a brace. Espanyol win on the camp, no 2-1. But like you were saying, my God, it's, it's, it's about time we got a break because this season, everything that for the most part could have gone wrong for us has gone wrong up to this yeah. point. Whether it's injuries, 
uh, occasion during the game. Like, look at the Celta game. Frankie hit the crossbar a minute, two minutes, three minutes before Iago Aspas' equalizer. So if he scores that, we win at Balaidos. We get three points. Everything is peaches and cream for the most part. We head into the FIFA break. Oh, yada, yada, happy. He misses. He hits a crossbar. Then literally in the last play of the freaking game, Iago Aspas scores an amazing goal. So, and then there's been a lot of occasions that people call me crazy, friends of mine that aren't Barcelona fans. But I tell them, hey, even though we lost Messi and we decided to sell Griezmann because of economic reasons and whatnot, if we had Dembele, Aguero, and Ansu Fati from, from the start of the season, we I tell them we would be at the top of the league. Without, and I, I feel 100% like about this. Like the, the difference, Ansu Fati, we saw it in the first half of the Celta game. Like the difference, just oh, forget about Dembele, Aguero, and whatnot. Even Pedri, Pedri hasn't hasn't basically played the entire season. Oh, we're talking just about him Ansu, next, yeah, we'll talk about Pedri. Just about just with Ansu Fati, we saw the difference Ansu Fati makes. Yeah, that first half against Celta. If we had a healthy Ansu Fati from the start of the season, I I can say this without like any kind of remorse. I think we would be in first place. In La Liga, people talk about our defense and whatnot, but we would have made up with Ansu Fati what maybe we lacked defensively. Because even with Kuman, you can criticize Kuman's game and whatnot, but I think we we did just enough in most of the games. Not talking about Bayern, Benfica, and things like that, but yeah. in the league, I think we did just enough creating clear goal scoring opportunities. That with a healthy Ansu Fati, we would have put like those games away for the most part. So basically, what what I what I want to say is that um, it's just it's it was about time we got we caught a good break because what like you were saying, it like this game you can play great, you can do this or that, but luck whether we want to admit it or not plays a humongous part of this, and luck changes the narrative. And oh, this team is on the like going up the hill. Or if you don't have luck, this team is trash. Everything is bad. Nobody like if the coach is bad, the players are bad. But people just like tend it tends to like cloud judgment when luck also isn't on your side. So I don't care about us having luck in this game at the end. Because it was about damn time we had good luck in a game. So, yeah, well, hopefully, Xavi, I agree with you. Hopefully, Xavi continues to bring the luck. Yeah, especially when Ansu's coming back in Demele. And hopefully, again, that's, I think, the, the final piece of that luck puzzle would be to have all the players fit and all the players back. And one of those players is the Golden Boy. We do have some news. So, before we break down Benfica, the Golden Boy for 2021 is none other than Pedri. All of what is he now? 18 years old. Yep. No, no, he's 19 years old, right? He's I, I can't I think he's 18, honestly. Uh, I, I mean, I'll check right now, but um, or he but, just about uh, to turn. Oh, right. He turns he turns 19 this week. He turns 19 this week on Thursday. Yeah, I knew that. Still 19. Right. So anyway, so anyway, it's it was it was Gamper's birthday today. Unfortunately, he's no longer celebrating. We're in 1877. But Pedri, yes, Pedri turns 19 on Thursday. Glad we got that that over. But today he is the Golden Boy winner. The biggest gap in history of the voting process over second place Jude Bellingham from Borussia Dortmund. So last year it was Ansu getting second behind Erlen Holland, which you know I get that one. And then this year Dortmund decides to get second as Barcelona. Payback. 
Yeah, yeah, a little bit of payback. So <laughs> I'm going to start with my hot take here, Rafa, and then we'll work backwards. Because I know you come, you want to hear the hot take. So my hot take is I dug deep inside myself. And yes, when Ansu was out for those nine, 10 months, seeing Ansu Fati play again was most of the things that I thought about right when I woke up in the morning, right? That was what consumed me is that what does Barcelona look like when Ansu comes back? I really kind of was making him, a, putting him on the white horse and saying, you know, he's, he's coming, he's coming, everybody. It's, it's going to be okay. But actually, honestly, with Xavi taking over as manager, yes, I'm excited to see Ansu come back and be healthy under Xavi who wouldn't be. But I'm actually more excited to see Golden Boy winner Pedri under Xavi because I think Ansu is Ansu under almost any manager. You know, you can't really teach that. Everything there is inherent. But because of the reliance that Xavi has on his high interiors, I think Pedri could get even better. And I got some flack for, you know, saying that, oh, he needs to finish his his final product or his, not even his final product in goal scoring, but his finishing, pro, his uh, his final ball. There it is. I finally found the word. So his final ball needs to improve. And I'm going to, again, stick by the stats that his he completes more final third passes than almost anybody in world football because Barcelona have so much possession, especially whether it was at the Olympics. He had definitely, I, I don't even look this one up. At the Olympics, he had more final third passes than any other player in that entire tournament. And then for Spain at the Euros over the summer, I think he was top three or top two on that category for final third passes completed. So he is buzzing around. He's already in the right spots. But I think with the system that Xavi wants to play, that final ball might come. And once those assist numbers start racking up, once his key passes, which I think he was 34, 31st or 34th or whatever in the Liga last year, once that number makes him the top five in the Liga final or key passes or whatever, but whatever we think the eye test is, once that the number and the ranking he is in league back that up, his assist numbers are going to go up. His goals are going to go up. And I think for all that Pedri has been capable of in his 52 appearances at the Camp Nou in his first season there, winning the Copa del Rey, but again, playing a major role for Spain to the semis and winning young player of the tournament and Olympics and all that stuff, playing under Xavi makes me believe that Pedri still has the best to come, whether it's in a 3-4-3 or 4-3-3. I think he's almost a perfect Xavi player with everything that Xavi said he wants out of a player. Maybe even ah. Gabi got fifth on that list. Let's talk about Gabi after that. But yes, I want you to respond to Pedri. I don't think it's a hot no. take, right? The Pedri boy. No, no, it's, it's not a hot take. Uh, I think it's it's something that a lot. I think a lot of people w- would agree with. And I think I think using that to go back to what I was saying and compliment that a little bit. That that's the thing. It's and then I'll use. I like to use references and like superheroes and things like that. It's basically again. If you didn't like the one that I had, maybe this one. It's like Xavi is Splinter, and his. Sha, Gabi, Pedri, and everybody are the Ninja Turtles. He's showing them the way. And basically, I'm just, I just get so excited that I can't even utter words because I can really agree with you. And it's just like he's showing them, like, you're seeing up to here, but you can see so much more when I teach you the ways. And this is why when the ball is on the left flank with Ansu and the defender is here and the, the little nuances, like just position your body here. Think about it this way. When the other interior is here, you can go over here. And then this gives you the option of like receiving the ball between lines. And then this and that and bing and bang. And so it's like, if we were excited with Pedri last season, his breakthrough season, first season with Barcelona, and he was freaking amazing. Sadly, he was driven to the ground by Kuman during the last few months of the season. Then he went with Spain for the, uh, for the Euros. And then 
driven to the ground again, which I think was just absolutely insane that he went to the Olympics with yeah. Spain. And then when he Barcelona should have been more firm when he wanted to come back earlier and be like, no, 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 no. You're not coming back. You need to rest. And Barcelona weren't firm with that. So I think there were there was a lot of mishandling Pedri's first year fitness wise. We we and the Spain Federation drove into the ground. So if we were we're still excited with Pedri, like it just shows he won the ball on the or. I think he was one of the best players in the Euro. I think he led Spain to the semifinals at just 18. What, Xavi, what you were saying, and then Gavi being the fifth one in the Ballon de, uh, Golden Boy voting, it's just Xavi expanding their mind, and it's normal. They're 17, they're 18. If they're so good now without knowing all that they could and hopefully end up knowing, what Xavi teaching them, it's just Oh my God, as Barcelona fans, we can be so excited about what this is just the tip of the iceberg with two young players that we don't know what their end product is going to be, but we can get so excited because the sky is the limit with them, just them. And now that we added Xavi, probably one of the best, the best midfielder I've ever seen. And then some people I know would say Zidane, Iniesta, it's all down to taste, but to me, I'm a Xavi guy. And then the brain that he is, It's like Guardiola. It's just that they're like, it's like a beautiful mind. Like they're just not, they're just calculating up absolutely everything that when you're here, you know that the left back is here, the right back is here, the forward, the left winger and things like that. So they're just going to, they're going to be a sponge. And the, when they learn the, the ifs, the, the, who, the what's and things like that, they're just going to be so freaking good that it's just... Oh my God. I am. I think you can tell yeah. that I'm really excited. So it's, this is what I'm looking forward the most. Like what you said, Ansu is going to be Ansu probably no matter what, with more, every coach that he's under. As long as he's healthy, under, right? Exactly. As long as he's under, Ansu's going to be, you know what he's going to, but what you're going to get from it. It's obviously he's going to be a little bit more like smarter in his decisions with Xavi, but the young midfielders that Xavi has at his disposal That's what I'm most looking forward to that Xavi is now Barcelona's coach. Well, you give me using your uh, analogy a little bit more. That makes Florentino Perez shredder. I think I can just, uh, he is a hundred percent. He is. <laughs> right? Yeah. The, the corporate underground, but uh, yeah, I mean, on the point of then I, I was getting a question too about, about Pedri and I've heard like, well, who's your starters or who's going to be benched. And I reiterate again, when Pedri comes back in four weeks time, that it's not a matter of who's benched. It's that players are going to be rotated in a way that we've never seen before for Barcelona's midfield in a long, long time. Because going back to the days of Xavi and Iniesta and then to Rakitic, you put those names immediately on the team sheet. I mean, to say about rotation in midfield, you're really legitimately going back to 03-04-05 in that era as Xavi was kind of coming up, as Iniesta was coming up, as Deco was was in the midfield, you know, and this is even prior to the days of Say Keita coming. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're you're talking about a long time since we saw a proper midfield rotation. It's been quite some time. And I want to say, too, that Xavi is the greatest game, game manager midfielder that I've ever seen as far as whatever Xavi was dictating, right? Xavi had bad days at the office, just like everybody does. And those are the days when Barcelona kind of had a bad day at the office. But if Xavi was controlling a game, the other team had no life. They had no oxygen and they had to have a ton of luck to get any result against, against a, a Xavi 
you know, paced game, we'll say. But yeah, so Pedri, I'm excited. It's not about, um, oh, is it him or Gabi? I actually think just Pedri does so much of what Gabi does as terms of pressing, in terms of ball retention. I think he actually does those things even a little bit better than Gabi, believe it or not. But that's because he's two years older, even. And Gabi is still this incredible talent and deserving for for as few months as voters had to see him. And maybe it is recency bias, but Gabi is easily top five now in, in, in the world and fully deserving of that number five. And I know because I said that I think Pedri's a little bit farther along being two years older that all the Gabi stands are going to get in my mentions now too, just like the Pedri stands did. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a good problem to have to have to have a manager decide between Pedri, Gabi, Nico, De Young and Busquets if he's really, that being Xavi, ultimately wants to have two pivots and two interiors. But I, I don't know. Maybe Xavi is going to go with a 4-3-3 and stay on that path but yeah, that does mean then you then have to sk- sit Nico or Gabi or Pedri if you're going to just put Ansu up there on that left wing and keep Memphis up high. And again, that's if you keep a right back in the way that it is. Is it going to be Alba moving back? But it, there's, it's a good, again, a good problem to have when this team is healthy that there's so many options. Now, to go to the final part of our show, Rafa, speaking of health, unfortunately, Barca's right wing, not only is it not healthy, but it's not eligible so Abde is ineligible for the Champions League because he wasn't registered at the start of the season because Barcelona didn't really know what they had just yet, which is, I guess, good scouting. Uh, apparently, Ramon, uh, Roman Planas, in one of basically his final gift to the club, I guess, was that he had scouted and found Abde if reports are to be believed, along with Pedri and Araujo and all that. So, yeah, plenty of gifts that uh, Roman... we got to build that guy's statue. <laughs> a small one, but a, but a statue. A small one, yeah. And then even uh, Ferran Jukla, who came over from Espanyol B in the offseason, is ineligible as well because he was not put on the Champions League registry at the beginning of the season. And then Elias, who the club did have the foresight to put on that list. You heard this one, right? Yeah. He yeah. got a he got sent off in his last UEFA Youth League match. I, I I don't know if I've ever heard, maybe not to say I've never heard because this could happen for Dinamo Kiev or Shakhtar Donetsk. I think it happened with one of those players in the past before when I had heard some kind of suspension in years past where, you know, teams that heavily rely on the youth academies, even Sporting CP or Porto or somebody, this happened before. But for Elias to get sent off in a UEFA Youth League match and not be able to play in the actual Champions League in a must-win game for Barcelona against Benfica, yeah, you can't make that up. And certainly that's not Barcelona making their own luck. Now, the luck that could come in play is if Ousmane Dembele, who apparently is going to be on the bench for this match, is fit enough to come on in like the 60th minute or the 70th minute and is able to change the game. We don't know about the status at the point of recording this, so it could change by the morning about Serginho Dest. Hopefully he is healthy, but it doesn't look like it. And then Sergio Roberto has been given the green light. So do not be surprised if you see Sergio Roberto on the right wing in a 4-3-3. I just want to brace everyone for that. And that would leave, because if not for Roberto, that leaves Gabi, Coutinho, or Demir out on the right wing. And if I have to choose between Gabi or Sergio Roberto as the right winger, I'm going to choose Gabi. But then who do you put on the left? Is that then Coutinho on the left? Or do you go with Demir on the right wing and keep Gabi over on the left? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I do think. No, my bad, my bad. I got to correct you real quick, uh, Dan. I think uh, there was a uh, Sergio Roberto is out. There was an official statement from Barcelona six hours ago saying that he's still with like muscular problems in the quadricep from the official oh. site. So, so he's out. Yeah. So Rafa, breaking news here. So let's throw that out. So don't be surprised if he's, well, actually do very be surprised if he started on the right wing because it goes against what the club said. So that means then, yeah. So that means that it's Gabi probably on the right and then Coutinho on the left. You'd have to guess, right? Would that be it? Is it 4-3 or is it going to be a 3-4-3? Is he going to change the formation? 
that's what we were talking about. That's why I don't feel bad about us having luck against freaking Espanol because it didn't last that long. This is, it's surreal what you were just explaining that when we don't have wingers and we need to rely on two youngsters that did one did okay slash good, the other did amazing. And you're like, well, we're going to have to play them in the most important Champions League match this season. Lo and behold, one got suspended in the youth Champions League. So he can't play Elias and the other one wasn't registered. So it's just like, this is just insane. Like this whole up to this point, hopefully luck changes down the road. But even with things like this, we can't catch a freaking break. Like Sergio Roberto, who I didn't want to see, but even he is injured. Sergio Des lower back problems or something like that. I don't remember exactly what he has, but if we need to put the, and I want to say this, like I want to explain this. I know that Dembele is really important, but I also know how important it is economically speaking for Barcelona to reach the round of 16 of the Champions League. Then, obviously, nobody thinks we're going to win it. And I'm not even thinking about the round of 16 if we get knocked out and we're not, which we probably, you never know, but you would think Barcelona won't make it past the round of 16. But economically speaking, we need to get out of the group stage. You have to. So you get more than you get almost double what you do by winning the Europa League. Yeah, exactly. So if there, if it comes to a point, which hopefully it doesn't, but that we need to bring in Dembele in the 60th minute and risk him get being re-injured and missing another month, then I think because of the situation, and Xavi said it in today's press conferences, there's games and then there's games. And the, this game against Benfica is a final because if we lose, we don't, it doesn't, like we, uh, we say in Spanish, it's not in our hands anymore. And then we go and play Bayern during the last yeah. uh, fixture. So we need to win. And if it, because I don't want this to get like misinterpreted and whatnot, but we need, if it comes to a point, I think we do need to risk putting Dembele in. If there's the game is still tied or obviously, hopefully it's not like this, but if we're losing, I think, We need to bring in Dembele. Well, what I do know or what I do expect to happen, that's why I say 3-4-3 instead of even a 4-3-3, because I think it's going to be three center backs at the back to deal with Dolan Nunez and Rafa Silva, who's actually found his form as well for Benfica. And after that performance, as bright as it was in the first half, I thought Mingaitha, and I think many agree with me, Mingaitha felt like the weak link in that first half. Again, it was a testament to the young players in Abde and Elias, who were able to defend along with Mingaitha down that, that right side and keep Adria Pedrosa at bay because Pedrosa has been very good for Espanol this year. A lot of Espanol's attacks come down the left or through the right at Vidal, but they use their fullbacks well, that being Espanol, and they didn't use their fullbacks almost at all because of the defensive work that the teenagers were doing along with Mingaitha. That said, Mingaitha really had trouble when RDT found a way to exploit that space in between he and PK late in the second half. So I think from the very jump, I think Araujo, who is just coming back to fitness, he wasn't ready to start. I think that Eric Garcia on the left, PK in the middle, and Araujo on the right, I could see that. Not to say that I would, uh, I, I'm, I'm leaning into my predictions, but I got a good feeling that, that might be the three center backs at the back. And then you worry about the other problems as you move up the field. Let's put it that way. And as far as, yeah, as you mentioned, it is a final tomorrow. And I know it feels like we're just starting the Xavi era, but yeah, the Xavi era 
not say that it's going to be dictated by tomorrow's result, but it's going, it could be that first nightmare. But I think we have to take the approach that Xavi's taking. The Xavi doesn't want to hear about what if the hypothetical losing to Benfica, that's, he got a question about that. And he had said that I just think about scoring goals against Benfica and winning that match. And that's it. So if he's going to fill his team, whether it's a three, four, three or three, five, two or four, three, three, whatever it may be, if he can make those players believe and they win one, nothing, Right? You don't have to blow them out by five. You just have to win one nothing. You just have to get the result because you took care of business against Dinamo Kiev. That wasn't pretty. one nothing against Dinamo Kiev. But that doesn't matter when that check is cashed for the knockout stage of the Champions League. So yeah, I think it's going to be the three at the back. And you know the final point for Benfica, and I think my final point of the show, Rafa, is tomorrow, as much as we talk about youngsters and changes and formation, I want to see Memphis to buy. I want to see Memphis, who scored the first goal under the new manager, Xavi. I think tomorrow has to be Memphis's day because with all the other players that aren't available, all the other options out, I think it's Frankie. I circle him too, because with the way that those interiors are, are pressing high, Frankie could easily have a brace in this game tomorrow. Easily. Nico could score an important goal tomorrow. Yes. But I think Memphis, if he plays his boots off tomorrow, then Barcelona are going to the knockout and that's it. You don't have to worry about it. Memphis just go out there. I know he was a free transfer, so I can't say be the blank, you know, dollar signing or Euro signing that you were right. Or be the, be the free transfer signing that you were, but be the player that has a market value of 50 million or whatever he has be that player tomorrow and Barcelona are going to move on. So, I mean, as much as I care about the tactics on the Xavi tomorrow is going to be all about that new manager, getting his players to believe that they can get a result and getting the goal and taking it home, no matter how ugly it gets, no matter what you have to do at home against Benfica, kick the ball all the way to Cornea. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Just get the job done. Yeah. Tomorrow will be, I think the only game where that 90% of Barcelona fans will take with a pinch of, so like analyzing the game tactics and whatnot, because it is so important to go through. And then I don't even want to talk about the possibilities of going to the Europa league playing Thursdays. And how would that affect, the real important thing, which is finishing in the, in the top four of the season in the league. So in an ideal world, we see the real Memphis Depay showing up tomorrow so that we don't have to risk Dembele coming in. And Frankie, Frankie needs to be that guy. And hopefully tomorrow, again, we see Frankie stepping up and being the guy that we think he is or should be for Barcelona to aspire for big things. And it just, it is what it is. It, it, it's, it comes down to the players that should show a bit, whether they will or whether they won't remains to be seen, but it, it's tomorrow is a hundred percent just about the result. Then we got a bunch of league games, a bunch of Copa Rey games to slowly keep building Xavi's tactical scheme and whatnot. But tomorrow it's just the, the three points and that's, it nothing else matters tomorrow. I know I promised I already remember the last point, but okay, I got one, one, one little, little more. So, as far as why I'm also optimistic tactically about this Benfica match, because regardless of the personnel that he chooses, Benfica in the, in the Portuguese league usually do have the lion's share of possession. We saw against Bayern, they actually did succeed when Bayern did not, you know, when Bayern took it to him. So one of the only times, and then and then the wheels came off the bus and Bayern did a Bayern on him. But before that, Benfica really did well sitting in. And so that shows you that Benfica is capable of that. But by and large, 
I think unlike the first game when uh, people are going to correct me on this, but I think it was what 52 48 possession or something for Barca for most of that game. It was very close possession stats, but if Barca does keep the ball 65% of the time and is able to put Benfica on their back heel, they are missing one of their regular center backs. It's the only injury. Actually, everyone else is pretty much fit for Benfica. I think if Barcelona take possession and control and dictate that match, I actually don't think Benfica is going to be as organized as Espanyol was. Espanyol was prepared to not play with the ball, and Benfica, I don't know if they're as prepared. It's the same way that when a team takes a lot of possession against Barcelona, and we're like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Why are they, right? They just, everyone's out of rhythm. It's, I mean, that's happens to all these teams. All these teams that are used to possessing the ball and having the, more, uh, the better players, the more skilled players, if you're able to take them out of the game and overwhelm them, sometimes those back lines aren't used to playing on the back foot in the way that Barcelona with Busquets and Piquet, they don't want to play in the back foot either. So get on the front foot early and shut it down. You're right, Frankie, Memphis, Piquet, Busquets. You can talk about youngsters all you want, but those are the guys going to get the job done tomorrow. So yeah, that's it for me. Rafi, you have anything more? No, just knock on wood that Lady Luck is on our side tomorrow because Real quick, an example against Espanol. Elias had a sitter during the first half that I forgot to mention, and it was deflected of somebody. That would have been first goal, 1-0, first half. Everything's cool, calm, collected. So hopefully tomorrow, all the bad luck that we've had, we've had finishing, we have good luck tomorrow. So I don't know. Just pray whatever you believe in because – we need Lady Luck on our side tomorrow. And then again, once again, thank you for having me. You can go over to Mexico Podcast YouTube channel. It's in Spanish. Spanish. Uh, you can learn a little bit of Spanish. If you know Spanish, the mirror. And uh, again, it's, uh, it's a totally different dynamic than, uh, than over here. It's more like live and we got our chat open. We can You can say whatever you want as long as you keep it PG-13 and whatnot. Um, so we just have a good time over there and whatnot. And uh, again, thank you for having me. I love to come here. It's uh, I need a little bit more. I haven't talked in English for a while since I left Connecticut. So this uh, this is uh, gives me a little bit of practice that obviously I, for the most part, I don't have anymore. So thank you for having me. I mean, better in two languages than most of our, I, I speak for myself and I am in, in English sometimes. So yes, thanks. That's Mescate Un Podcast. That's Rafa Aldamui, wherever you find them on YouTube, Twitter, all that. And of course, you know, we're at the Barcelona Pod on Twitter and Instagram at Hilton D13. For me, close Facebook group, the Barcelona Podcast, speaking of keeping it PG-13. Actually, I try to keep it PG, be even nicer. And then on Patreon, I want to continue to say, I've been saying the last few shows, we've got a, a huge number of patrons. Uh, maybe it was because Frances barked at you, or maybe... Uh, we actually had a lot of Patreons say that they joined up because they're excited about Xavi. And hey, I'm not complaining. If Xavi gets everybody excited, I'm really happy to see everyone uh, supporting the show the way that they, or any way they can, no matter how how little, it doesn't matter to me. It's uh, I'm happy with all and always, always appreciate it. So you can also listen to these shows without the ads over there. That's a little added bonus. And I also make sure that if you're not paying attention to YouTube or anything, I put my YouTube match reviews up on the Patreon as well. So if you become a Patreon for as low as $3, hours, you'll just see the match reviews pop into your feed and you don't have to go track them down on YouTube or subscriptions or whatever. But if you're on YouTube, we also have the match reviews and all that stuff on the YouTube page again and video stuff like hearing me talk about tactics isn't the same as actually watching me be able to break down tactics a little more fun so that's the Barcelona podcast on YouTube but most importantly these are our podcast listeners so thank you so much for listening to the show until next time we'll talk to you soon or the Barca
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.